0: On today's episode of Rise, Grind, and Repeat, we talk to Jason from Firesight. Him and his team are absolutely crushing it when it comes to website and app development. Let's dive right in. Jason, thank you so much for uh, joining us on an episode of Rise, Grind, and Repeat. I'm excited about this because we haven't had another uh, you know, web developer, app developer. And so uh, before we start nerding out, I would love to hear a little bit about your
1: history and how you got started as an entrepreneur. Yeah, so I'm Jason Turnquist, uh, CEO and co-founder of Firesight. We're a local Phoenix app and web development firm. Um, we've been at it since 2009 is when we started the business, and it was basically right when the last recession hit. Wow And so I was still in college uh, working like a lo- what was called a loan modification t- job at the time. Okay. and I had taken a class at ASU that was geared towards like web development and then you know, being, so I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area originally, okay. right? So I kind of have like, like Silicon Valley feel, you know, my dad's always worked in Silicon Valley. We had like an Apple computer from the very beginning, yeah. right? And so I, I just always liked technology and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I, when I went to ASU originally, I went for aerospace engineering. So I, I've always had like that engineering mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I also have like a, a really good, eye for design. And I think that's where when I did web, it was kind of like this mix of like engineering and design. And so we started the company uh, when I was still working in that low modification place. And it was just kind of like I told my dad I was building websites and we were kind of like tinkering around with WordPress. This was right when WordPress started to get a lot more powerful and people weren't just using it for like a blogging Mm -hmm. platform. They were actually starting to build sites out of it. And so uh, my business partner, he was building locksmith websites, their company. They were they were doing it all out of WordPress. And so, you know, we kind of got connected and I was like, well, why don't we start doing this for other businesses? Right. <laughs> and so I was talking to my dad about it. And he's like, well, I actually might have a client for you. Right. And so we ended up doing his website for him um, extremely cheap. I mean, it was like a 40 page website for two thousand dollars. Right. <laughs> Which. Yeah. I mean, looking back. Looking back at it, yeah, you'd never charge that, right? <laughs> Unless you went like overseas, but yeah, um, but it was a learning experience, and he's still our client today. Oh, really? So, yeah, that's like a testament to our customer service cool. because we really care about our our customers and what they're doing business wise. Um, so yeah, so we started. I, I was also doing like marketing. I was like a SEO marketing manager for like a hair salon up in Scottsdale, and oh. then I just. Realized, I was like, you know what, I don't want to do the low modification thing anymore. So I quit that was just doing the marketing management for this salon. And on the side, I was trying to drum up business. Yeah. Um, so I would, you know, talk to people, tell them that we're building websites and stuff like that. And everyone was interested. And so we, we kind of came up with like a pricing model and mm-hmm. and we started there. That's,
0: that's cool. So, yeah, that's cool. So, uh, I mean, with the 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 salon and uh, trying to drum up business, I mean that that leap of faith was
1: it, uh, you know, a little scary, or what was that like? Um, it was definitely scary, but I kind of went into it. At, you know, I was twenty three at the time, mm-hmm. so I kind of went into it as like, well, I want—I'd rather be an entrepreneur than you know go and work for a large corporate yeah. company, and I don't have kids. You know, it it was kind of like that Elon Musk mentality where it's like, I only need to make a thousand dollars a month, like in order to (laughs) live how I'm living right now. Right. So I was always like trying to live below my means. And so it I mean, it was scary, but at the same time, it was also, I think, necessary to Mm -hmm. to kind of like push myself into that direction. And so, you know, you can't let fear hold you back.
0: Yep. No, I, I can agree more. And so, every, I mean, most people, when they're starting a business, it's that pricing model and it's tough, especially like with websites, digital marketing, it's not tangible and it's tough to, uh, you know, put a price on it. Someone goes, how much is a website? And it's always like, well, what do you want it to do? Do you want it to do this? Do you want it to do that? So what was that evolution like? And how long did it take before you guys were like, we have our our pricing model, our business model nailed down and, and uh, kind of the ground running i mean it
1: was it took us a long time to nail down because like you said it's a digital product it's not tangible you can't necessarily put a price on time all so you you kind of end up doing a website building it and then learning from the past experience of like okay what went wrong you start to find out that the biggest thing when pricing out a website is really ironing out everything that you're going to do in that website um and not creating like an open contract because sometimes we would we would do like these I don't want to say we were lazy but we just didn't know and so we would yeah. kind of be we just we didn't know kind of how to itemize the contract in a way that the customer could understand yeah. so then what ends up happening is they keep making requests and requests and requests and it's like well, well when does this end right yeah. so then that was kind of the first step is figuring out okay how do you how do you break down a website like how do you you know, you, you have pages, you, you have uh, optimization, SEO on page, you have a blog, you have forms, you potentially have e-commerce on it. Yep. Um, so you kind of start to try to itemize those components out and then see, and then put values, almost like time values is what, really what we started to do. Um, and then that way we could quantify what we were doing. And then that was also great internally, because then we know it's like, okay, we have... You know, five-page website with a form. We estimate, based off our experience, that it should take X amount of hours to build this website, right? And then we can tie that to like an hourly rate, and then we can come up with a pricing model that way. And yeah. so that's what we started to to do because everything we didn't we don't do anything overseas, you know. So we weren't bringing yeah. contractors in, so our costs are going to be a little bit higher, and mm. um, so the margins, you know, you got to keep your margins, and otherwise it's not going to be profitable. Which ends up happening a lot in the early days, but it's a learning yeah. experience.
0: Oh yeah. No, it's, uh, you know, been around for two years and it's been a lot. It's kind of what we're going through now is, is we do all these different things and it's trying to productize services and put times to it and all that. Um, and it's, uh, starting to get clarity and it's easier to have those conversations. Was it difficult at first? Was it, did you ever feel like giving up at, at any point? Like, was it difficult on, uh, each website or just like, man, we're not nailing this down or, or, uh, Seeing profits or anything like that. I mean, yes,
1: at first, and it's really because we weren't quantifying what we were doing. Yeah. We really didn't. We really didn't start doing better development until we started actually tracking our time on what we were doing, and that was a missing component for a very long time. We weren't tra- like we'd go and build it, but we didn't actually have a full understanding of how much time we were spending on it. Yeah. And so that lack of data was costing us money. At the time, and then over time, we started to implement tools of like, okay, well, maybe we track our time on these different components. Yeah. Maybe we track our time on the total projects, and then once we start to get that data, we can then start to calculate our profit margins, and then we can say, okay, well, these aren't profitable. Why is that? Are we underselling ourselves? Are we spending? Are we like overpromising and underdelivering? Like, what, what's the deal here? So it really gave us the opportunity to to refine our our pricing structure when we started tracking data internally
0: yeah that's funny literally uh working on that as as well right now and i mean with working at many different agencies it's always the biggest achilles heels no getting people to actually enter their time but it it provides so much data that allows you to know if you're profitable or not and and if you're serving the client well or not the hardest thing though is getting people to actually enter their time and i think time management is a huge uh you know issue or area of opportunity in managing your day a little bit better and i think it's a lot uh, or a big struggle with most people. So how did you guys actually get on the same page as a team and, and
1: uh, do it? I think at first we used a, a system called Rescue Time. So it'll track your, like you can turn the timer on and off, right? And okay. so you can start to do that. But you, you never actually, it, it takes repetition yeah. for long, long periods of time. Like even today, we are constantly having to remind people, update your time, update your time. It's a lot easier now because we have project managers. You know, we have we have um, directors that can like help facilitate that and make sure we even have like a slack bot that will just kind of like, hey, make sure you update your time. So that's one thing um, is it's consistency and Mm -hmm. continuous. Another kind of hack that we were doing is we would just kind of go like you can go through your Chrome history. And then you can start to understand, okay, like I worked on this site from Mm, this time to this time. Roughly, I worked on this thing from this time to this time. Mm -hmm. When you're smaller, it is so much harder, though, because you're you're constantly kind of switching between projects. Right. So you might work on this for 15 minutes and then this for 30 and then jump back to this for 15. Um, It gets a little bit easier when people have a little bit more of a dedication to what they're doing specifically.
0: Yeah. How much how much easier was it to operate the business once everyone had that clarity of who's doing what? Um.
1: It, it, you start to see the puzzle pieces fall into mm-hmm. place and then it starts to be, feel like it's a lot more uh, efficient and you're not constantly kind of like drowning almost. Yeah. Right. Cause as an entrepreneur, you have so many different things that are going through your mind. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly like thinking about sales, but you're thinking about marketing and you're mm-hmm. thinking about uh, leads and you're thinking about development and design and, you know, so being able to uh like pull all that and and quantify it yeah. is it, it made our business so much more efficient. Yeah. And obviously it's
0: it's you know I could see it's helped. I mean, just uh, looking at some of the clients that you've worked with, I mean, helped with State 48, amazing uh, numbers before and after. Um, so you guys have, have definitely found a groove and you guys have been growing. Um, how? What are the different things you guys have done to help with that growth? I mean, to really pick up some traction and grow to where you guys are now? Is it? Is it spending more time on, on marketing? Is it your internal processes? I mean, is it a little bit of
1: everything? I think it's a combination of everything. Yeah. I mean, marketing is obviously extremely important. Mm-hmm. Um so all your on-page SEO, your off-page SEO, we were very adamant about building a reputation online from a very early yeah, st- from the start. Um uh, mainly because a lot of a lot of companies were unreliable and you know, they their customer would have a bad time and then they get a one-star review and mm-hmm. then they wouldn't leave do anything about that one-star review on Google. So They might have, they might actually have good customer service, but this one customer had bad service. And then therefore their, you know, their online reputation looks terrible for someone that's going and looking. So we were from the very beginning, we are focused on Google, my business, or at the time, I think it was called Google Locals. Yeah. I Uh, mean, it's gone through four different name changes, probably (laughs) at least. And uh,
0: uh, so, really, I mean, how bit, how important is is the reputation management as a, as a local business? Because this is something that that whole Google My Business page, that listing, I think is is a huge area of opportunity for a lot of business owners. I think a lot of people ignore it, but has it been a, a
1: pretty um, big piece in your guys' growth? One hundred percent. I've always thought and looked at the data and Google My Business and the Google listings. They show up at the top of the search results in the three pack or the seven pack. Um, and when people are going and they have different options to look at of different businesses, what's the first, how, how are they going to compare the businesses? They're going to compare it by reviews, Yeah. right? So making sure your online reputation, not just on one platform is, is good, right? It's like, it's making sure it's good on Yelp. It's good on. Um uh, Google My Business, good on bbb good on yeah, I mean, there's so many different directories nowadays. Clutch is a big one for us that we've started to use, which is more for like kind of the agencies, uh, whether it be video production or e-commerce or app development. Yeah. Have you guys been aggressive on clutch? I get emails from them all the time. We've we have been very aggressive on clutch, yeah. And we've gotten some really good projects out of them. Really? Yeah.
0: Nice. I'll-
1: clutch is one, and then also another one that's kind of come up recently that I would recommend any user listening is UpCity. UpCity yeah, up is a good one. Yeah. UpCity is a good one. I think people are tired of Yelp. And so you're start, like, I was literally just seeing this post yesterday of like, uh, like a mass exodus from Yelp, just because Yelp screws over every business that's on it, right? Like yeah. you, you literally pay them to show up, but then they also hide all your reviews, right? <laughs> so we have like, we have 60 or 55 rev- reviews on Yelp. 38 of them don't aren't recommended. And there's like 18 that show, right? And I don't, I don't know why they do that. I don't yeah. know. And you talk to them, though. They're, they're like, "Oh, well, it's the algorithm. Well, engineers wrote the algorithm. So, yeah. like, why? What's the methodology behind the algorithm? Exactly. Yeah. So, I think um, making sure that your what you call your NAP information, your name, address, phone number information, is correct across all of those systems is imperative mm. um, to getting that Google Local to rank. Because ultimately, it's all about the Google my business page yep. that getting that to rank but everything else feeds into it.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. No, good 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 stuff. And uh you know, you've worked on a lot of like I said, a lot of big businesses, websites and stuff like that. What's been the most exciting project that uh, you've gotten to work on and
1: why? Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um we have a lot of different projects that we have really enjoyed and you know, we've moved into the app development space as well, yeah. so we do a lot of IoT apps, finance apps, healthcare apps. And I've always really enjoyed the, I think the IOT side of things. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we, we've been building an app and maintaining an app for uh, internet connected barbecue, Green Mountain Grills for a long time. Oh, now. really? Yeah. So we help them with a lot of their infrastructure, cloud infrastructure, oh, iOS and cool. Android apps. Um, so that's always been a fun one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anything e-commerce, e-commerce is very sales driven, yeah. right? So yeah. like, I I just love seeing the success of like, bringing or redesigning a customer's e-commerce website and seeing like that growth is very exciting to me even though it's not money that's i'm making personally like the fact that we were able to take those numbers and and either double them or increase them yeah. by a certain percentage so that that person or that business is making more money is you know
0: yeah no, it's fun. It's fun to know that you've done something and from that someone else else's, uh, you know, they're leveling up their life, their business, whatever it may be, and, and can impact others because can allow them to hire more people, they can serve more customers. I mean, it's I mean, it's a very similar reason why we're doing what we do. I love the data and analytics. And at the end of the day, that's why I love waking up to doing all this. And, and whenever you can see that, you know, Week over week, month over month, quarter over quarter, there's there's growth and uh, good conversations. It's just, it's fun. It's a win-win situation, right? Like yeah. their business growth helps your business growth. So. It, exactly. And you really have a good point. You guys have been doing, you know, I brought up web uh, and you you mentioned apps. Um, you know, a lot of people are asking, you know, do I have a website? Do I build an app? I mean, you have progressive web apps now. I mean, what, what how should people or businesses think um, as they look to the future on what is it they need to develop? Is it everything or... I think it's
1: really going to depend on what your business does and what, like, you don't want to just build an app to build an app, right? Like the app needs to serve some kind of purpose. Otherwise, just stick with a website. Um, And again, with web applications, even like you only really need a web application if you have like a login system, right? If you have a login system where the user is going to do something or you're facilitating some kind of like a gig between two people or something like that, that's where that would come into play. Um, you are starting to see some, even WordPress websites converted to mobile applications, but I think a mobile app really needs to have some kind of value. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've seen, I'll see attorney apps that will have different information. So there, there can be some customer loyalty behind it. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, that's a great use case of building a mobile application, um, but overall you really have to define what is your product solving and if it's a website a marketing website then you may not need an app but now if it's an e-commerce website you might want an app because there's a lot of cool like you can then start to take advantage of like notifications inside of an application or kind of creating like a personalized experience for that user so that is a good application of, of kind of converting your web presence to a mobile application, which you're starting to see with Shopify sites and e-commerce sites as well. Yeah,
0: no, that's cool. Can definitely see the engineering coming out. What's the end goal? We'll reverse engineer uh, uh, whatever that is that you need that's going to accomplish that goal. Um, no, I, I agree. It is what. What are you trying to accomplish? And it's uh, it's fun to kind of hear, you know, some ideas that are coming out as as COVID happened and people trying to get their business digital. But again, I think it it is down to that customer experience and delivering value and and what is the channel that you're going to do that in. But I do think that if you can get someone to download an app and be in there, the uh, just the push notifications alone and being able to communicate with someone, um, I think is such a such a huge win.
1: I, there's a lot of websites that they'll have their their website that you can go and access but then they'll have a mobile app that you you might use both right mm-hmm. like there's a there's a, a, a jeep website that i use that it's like i can go in the browser and i can view it that way but then there's also the mobile app what is the convenience of doing the browser versus the mobile app well if i'm on my phone the mobile app is much easier to yeah. access Right. I don't have to go to Safari. I don't have to type anything in. I can just click the app and then see the categories I want to do versus if I'm in front of a desktop computer. It's easy. Right. Mm -hmm. I I mean, you're you're you can easily just hop into your address bar and go to whatever website you want.
0: Yep. no, it comes down to what's uh, less friction at the time and less friction is always going to win. And I mean, as you mentioned, you love watching, uh, you know, before and afters and watching uh, an impact on on people's business. I mean, what are you seeing, whether it's websites, apps, whatever it may be that that is helping conversion rates get better? What what trends are you seeing that that, you know, the user experience is needed and, and uh, you know, what people should be mindful of to try and get more people to say when they land, go, yeah, I want to take advantage of this offer or buy this product. Yeah,
1: there's um, there are a number of different things that, that somebody can do. Um, the, I think the big thing that I like about just like mobile apps in general is the fact that we can. Um, you can start to to layer and understand the user a little bit more, right? Because Facebook's already chance it's chances are it's already on your phone, right? Mm-hmm. And then we can start to take advantage of some cool products such as like Segment or um, there's another one that we use, I'm forgetting the name of it now, but you can start to segment your, your users and understand like how they flow through the app or, or what they're doing. And a lot of it all starts with design. Design is like the biggest key component that you could ever do so part of our design process, when we build a website or a mobile application or an e-commerce store, we always start with a design phase. Yeah. So we don't just choose a template and then throw everything in there. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we'll like, we will design the whole page in what we call envision or sketch or yeah. some kind of collaboration design tool. And we'll kind of iron it out exactly how we want, right? And then once we have that and then we can build it and then we can go in and we can add something like Hotjar, jar and we can start to track. Button clicks, how people are moving about inside of the application, the, like the funnel process, where are people losing out on, uh, where are they exiting the app at? So then you can start to to understand and then and and enhance or modify little key aspects of the website. You don't necessarily need to completely redesign your website. Maybe you just you know maybe your hero image is or your the hero area is too large. Maybe it needs to be condensed. Um, or maybe this button right here, if you look at it, it's not being clicked very often, or maybe you have a big block of text that has no hyperlinks in it, but users keep clicking on words inside of the text, right? So making sure that, you know, that ease of use is inside of either, whether it's a text, a button, um, the footer, the header, wherever it is. So you want to take advantage of these small little optimizations and, and even start to do a B testing. Like if you have the time and the budget for it, like. Mm -hmm you can start to to do things like optimizely, like where it might change the headline for different users. And then you can start to understand, oh, well, this headline is going to convert, you know, with X percent more than than this headline.
0: Yeah, no, I I love it all. That's that's music to my ears. I love the testing. I love A-B testing. Um, have you guys done or seen a whole lot when it comes to like personalization to where it's it's? If you're hooked out to a CRM. Someone lands on a page. It could say hello, and then the person's
1: first name, at all. We're starting to see more of that. Um, I think typically in the past that was more of a like something that larger companies use because they have the mm-hmm. budgets for it. Yeah. But now we're starting to see tools out there that are that make it a lot easier for um, just like small businesses in general. Yeah.
0: Have, I mean, are you seeing any impacts on that? A positive, negative? Is it? Is it? Based on trying to figure out is, is it worth the time to uh, go through and map all that personalization out? Um,
1: I think if if you have a site that's getting good traffic and your business is growing 100 percent.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. If, if you are kind of stale in in your website and your your traffic and your growth, there might be some other things that you'd want to think about. But starting to add personalizations is 100 percent. You're seeing all the large companies do it. You're seeing smaller companies do it. Um, it, it's something that people like personalization. I yeah. think there was even a product that Amazon, or not Amazon, McDonald's purchased that will basically allow, and I don't know if it's going to use NFC. I'm not exactly sure how it'll work, but it'll basically, it'll customize the menu when you're at the drive-thru based off of Dang. like your interaction, I guess, with McDonald's or maybe how you order it. And I, again, I don't know the technology behind it. Yeah. What's actually like controlling that. Mm-hmm. But personalization, we are in the age of personalization and things will get more personalized.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting, though, because you have, uh, I mean, you got Facebook, you got Google. They're all, uh, you know, testifying. It's people talk about they want personalization, but then at the same time talk about, you know, you guys are abusing my data. What is that that fine line? I mean, your personal opinion on that. I mean, should people be personalizing more? Because in order to personalize, you got to collect data. But if people don't want their data collected, you can't personalize. I mean... You know what
1: i mean what are your thoughts on that i mean data is such a interesting topic right because we've seen so much bad things happen with data there's a lot of bad actors there's a lot of people you know it's such a gray area that you know data in the hands of the wrong person it can i mean you can cause havoc right um but i think there's tools now that are allowing users to opt into these things where it's not like, hey, we're just going to do this behind your back. Yeah. But it's like, hey, do you want this optimized, personalized experience? Yes or no. Mm-hmm. Right. And if it's yes, here, like this is what's happening in the background. So I think as long as there's transparency with it, I, I think most users would agree that they would probably yeah. opt into it.
0: No, I completely agree. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it comes down to transparency. I think what leaves a bad taste is when people collect the data and use it without letting people know that how they're collecting it, how they're going to use it and stuff like that. And so I think it comes down to the whole just transparency side of things. But I, I do agree. I think everyone wants the personalization when
1: it's done right. Yeah. And I mean, we saw that with, um, oh, uh, what was the company in the last election that, uh, Facebook? No, uh, Cambridge Analytica. Oh, yeah. right. Where. And so I constantly stay away from those little personality tests. <laughs> right because the personality test like that's what they're doing they're like it, it looks fun yeah. but they're collecting your data and there's yeah. not necessarily like a plan of what they're doing with it but no. most likely they're taking it and they're grouping it and they might oh, be yeah. running it through like machine learning and and then like grouping you into these categories and then building mm-hmm. like ad groups based off of you know what you picked so exactly. i I try to stay away from stuff like that
0: yeah no, yeah i mean you hit the nail on the head there too it's uh people love sharing them and doing them, but there, there is a method or, uh, behind the madness on that, on on what selections are we having, and that's all it is, is collecting more data, and then they're gonna use it to try and push sales and stuff like that, but um, again, it's stuff like that, people probably lose a bad taste in their mouth, but if you're transparent on why you're collecting the data and stuff like that, I think that's where there's gonna be a lot of, lot of opportunities. Um, and getting kind of back to the design side of things, uh, you know, whenever it comes to websites and apps, what are some tips that you have for people as they're going to go through the whole design process? Um, you know, before someone jumps in and it's like it's, it feels it feels like it's a big, big task and it is. But what are some things that, uh, you know, people should be mindful of? Well,
1: building a, a good website takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of research um, and it takes a lot of patience. And so usually I always say one of the first things that any user should do is like find websites that you like. Right and try to maybe potentially model yours after one that you like Um, one that has you know traffic not some random website right but um, a lot of these big companies they spend a lot of money on ui ui experience ui optimization so trying to take advantage of what some of these larger companies are doing and apply it to yours you're going to save a lot of time so design is always the first and foremost thing that should be thought about. Yeah. Right. Um, The second thing is going to be like, I would say optimization, right? What, where is your, like, where are your clientele? Because if you look at our traffic on our website, we're a lot more of like your B2B audience, which is going to be a lot more of your desktop and laptop users and not as much mobile. But if you're more of a business to consumer, you're going to see a lot more mobile sales, right? So if that's the case, you should be optimizing your site for where you're getting the most traffic and who your end user is. So a retail e-commerce site, you'd want to focus on mobile, right? Like you'd want the mobile experience to be locked down instead of doing a desktop website that is responsive, right? Responsive is a is a term that we use that where the website collapses yeah. as this, the the screen size shrinks, right? And so this a section might go from a three column down to a two column, down to a one column. Um, but if you don't optimize that, that mobile site, you might get a desktop site that's responsive for mobile and it looks good on mobile, but it might not be getting the conversions you need based off of you know, the screen size that you're now on. So yeah. taking time to optimize for your end user and and google analytics is probably the Hmm. biggest thing that we use the biggest tool that we use to track a lot of this data and then we can start to make you know design opinions based off of who who's actually looking at our website
0: yeah you you talk a lot about the optimization side one thing that hear a lot is uh you know built a website why do i need to pay to keep maintaining and all that i mean um is that something that, that you can debunk why should someone keep investing um, into their website after
1: it's it's done, it's developed, and now it's, it's, it's live. I mean, I look at it like any tangible product, a car, for example, right? You buy a car, you don't n- not service it for the rest <laughs> of its life because then the engine blows up, right? Same thing as with a website, right? Like the, the internet is constantly evolving. And so with that are the languages, the JavaScript, the libraries that go with it. And so you're starting to see plugins inside of a website have to be updated more often because they're constantly making changes and optimizations to it. Um, so if you just, li- like if you put your site there and then you don't do maintenance, like maintenance, like optimization could be a maintenance component. Yeah. Right. And so I would just, if you're gonna get a site and just to have it and yeah. use it as a reference, fine, whatever, but if you're trying to grow your business and use the internet to do it, you need to take the time and put a budget together for maintenance and optimizations mm-hmm. because otherwise you're going to be you know your engine is going to be blown up and your car's not going to go anywhere and then now it's like you can't take advantage of whatever current climate is happening
0: yeah no I, I love that analogy i've never even thought of that that comparison i mean to your point is you can buy a car i mean they'll both run but it's a matter of how long it'll run if you never change the oil you're going to have a motor blow in two years and and then it's going to be more expensive uh over time So i think that's the biggest thing is people Uh, Just don't want to rack up expenses, but it's like well if you look at the actual long-term cost of not maintaining It's actually more expensive to not maintain it and a website's an investment into
1: your business It's not it's not necessarily a cost You can't look at it like oh, it's gonna cost me five (laughs) hundred dollars like you got to look at is like, okay I want to get more business. I'm trying to grow at x percent per year What do I need to do to increase the traffic on my website? maybe that's content creation yeah. maybe that's video production uh maybe that's adding pages to the website to represent different services that you have yeah um so you don't want to just have your five page website but then you know maybe offer all these services but instead of having just one service page maybe you break out that ser- like your main service page into all your actual services so you have you know if let's say you're a plumbing company right yeah. like you might have new construction plumbing you might have Um, I I don't know maintenance plumbing, uh, 24-hour emergency plumbing, things like that, right? Yeah, and that helps
0: tremendously with SEO. But I mean, it's it amazes me how uh, I I love how you phrased it. It's it's an investment, not a cost, and it because it's an investment because it drives ROI. Um, I I always love to compare a website to like a a a salesperson. I mean, it's going to be there to answer your prospects' questions. They're going to get information. It's going to drive sales, and it's never going to call out sick. It's not going to take vacation time.
1: And your website's going to help you convert. Right. Yeah. Like people go to your website and based off of what it, people judge a book by its cover. Right. Yeah. Like we we've known that it, when they, if they look at your website and it it's maybe not up to par or it has like poor design, people can. I mean, they're basically going to make an opinion in probably what, three to five seconds is what they say typically. Yeah. So you want to take that into account with your website. And I mean, your website is always there 24 yeah. seven. Right? You have a user that's on at midnight and it all of a sudden gets an epiphany that they want to start a business mm-hmm. or do a video. What's the first thing that they're going to do? They're going to go search in the search engine. Yeah. So then optimizing your website so that you have those keywords on your website. Um, and that's SEO, right? And SEO is an ongoing thing. It's not, it's not like, hey, I can develop. We do a lot of on-page SEO, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of things you can do on your website to help your SEO experience. Yep. But then there's also the continual off-page SEO which is, you know, what you guys do a yeah. lot of the time. So um, both are extremely important.
0: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree. So, I mean, you got to invest into getting it built. And then once it's built, you have to invest to maintain it. Um, I guess to continue it, what are you seeing in terms of the future? I mean, what are your thoughts on, on how tech, websites, apps, and, and all that are going to be used by businesses and consumers in, in the future? I mean, any, any big uh, epiphanies?
1: or? Uh, I mean, I think overall, websites aren't going to go away. Right, you're always going to have a website. Um, apps are going to grow because you're going to f- find ways to create like m- more customized experiences when the a- with the application. You're starting to already see the introduction of like augmented reality in apps and applications. Um, e-commerce is obviously already there. Health healthcare is a huge app space that's growing because you know with the whole COVID thing, people couldn't see their doctors, so the whole telehealth side of things. Um, I mean, overall the web isn't going to go anywhere. So I, I don't know exactly as far as trends go. Um, I don't know. That's a good yeah. question. I, I think it's I, going con- I to, I, I would love to give you an answer. I actually don't know yeah. exactly other than more people are getting on the web. So therefore like the web is going to continue to grow.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think that there's been an explosion and then it kind of plateaued the last couple of years in terms of just, Technology evolving, but with COVID going on and and people needing to communicate digitally more, I think it's put such a huge urgency on how businesses can incorporate digital more into their business model. And so I think I think uh, it, we don't even know what is going to happen because I think a lot of people are changing business models uh, to adopt technology. And and I think how technology is being used are uh, it's going to be deployed in ways that we haven't seen. And I think there's going to be a lot of cool innovation. It's going to happen as we move forward and and people do get more digital. Hundred percent.
1: I think you're already starting to see, uh, I guess one trend that I have started to notice a lot more recently is the introduction of chat, right? Chat on a website was kind of there and it's, but you're starting to see it a lot more. Um, So there's that side of things. And then I think video, Uh, a lot of people underestimate the power of video on a website. And so that's something that you're going to start to see a lot more companies, you know, create like these custom videos to put on their site video production in general i think yeah. is skyrocketing right now so yeah i yeah,
0: know i mean bearing a video it's it's amazing i mean going back to google analytics if you create a, a segment tracking people who watch the video i mean look at the conversion rate of that audience and it's i mean 20 30x stronger than people who don't watch the video and so i mean that's why we're so bullish on on the video side i think uh more people want it i think less people are wanting to read and just want
1: want the information spoon fed and, spoon fed to them. And I think it's a, it's an, a, an addition, right? It's a compliment to what you're already doing, right? So, uh, just putting a video up on YouTube and then linking it back or embedding it on your page now gets you like a backlink from YouTube, right? Backlinks are an important part of any SEO strategy, right? So yeah. we've seen that with a couple clients that we had helped before and they, they did all these videos and we link that to their Google My Business page, their Yelp pages, right? And yeah. um, you can start to then use that as a complement to helping these other assets.
0: Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. And you guys have been working hard on growing you guys. I, I love what you guys are doing. I love all the, the stuff that you're posting. What are you guys working on the next three to six months to really grow your business?
1: Uh, I think the biggest thing is we wanna take advantage of the e-commerce side of things, like helping businesses Either build a brand new website or optimize their current site. Um, So we're we're actually Shopify certified now. Um, We've been WordPress certified for ten years. (laughs) I mean, we have a ton of experience with WordPress and WooCommerce, Um, and then Adobe Experience Manager. We've kind of started tinkering out around with that. So we're really trying to. I'm not i don't want to have like one river so part yeah. of that is like trying to create different rivers that all feed into the lake yeah i like that different revenue lines yeah so there's a couple i mean seo is a big thing that we're focusing on right now um started tinkering a lot more with like facebook ads and then like ad optimization and and like uh ab testing with ads yeah. and like trying different colors and like slightly different ver like verbiage and then seeing if we get anything from that um so that's one thing youtube video is something I've, i wanted to get into a lot more too ads, i think yeah
0: you guys doing walkthroughs like uh before and afters and doing that in just video form and we need to do that like that, that uh, th- would be huge
1: yeah that's something that i think we totally need to do because i mean if you look at some of the sites that we take over and then what we move them to is just yeah. like phenomenal yeah um and the conversion rate like it, with Especially with because we're so focused on design and like making sure that it's crafted in a way that is very appealing to the mm-hmm. end user that's on the website, but then is also going to help drive conversion. Um, it's, it's just we love seeing that. And I think yeah. if we could display that to other potential businesses that they say, hey, I need that, you know, yeah. and then they call us. So I think you're right. That's that's one thing that we're also trying to, to get yeah. better at. Because you guys already have the content.
0: I mean, I was looking at the State 48 uh, case study that you guys have on the website, and it's, love that page. I love how in-depth that case study is. It's a massive page. Yeah. yeah. If you just did a video walking through it and the methodology there, I bet you guys' methodology and then pair it with the performance, do
1: a little couple-minute video on that, that thing would go. That's a really good idea. I appreciate that. That's cool.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. The case studies take a long time, but we actually got contacted by Bass Pro Shop because of a case study that we did for the really? Green Mountain Grills. Uh, yeah, the Internet connected barbecue. They found us online because of that case study.
0: Yeah.
1: How are you guys using them? Because it's uh, we're going through
0: that. Pro- there's, there's a lot that you guys have done that we're kind of going through that process now, which is great to hear. Um, but how are you guys using the case studies? Are you it just are they are people finding them on the website, or are you guys actively using them
1: in? in your outbound strategy or i think that's something we need to do better is with the outbound strategy mainly we did it more just for like ranking purposes but i mean you know when you run a small business there's so many different (laughs) things that you want to do and there's not enough time Uh in the day so you end up like constantly thinking "Oh, i need to do this and then a week goes by and it's like so uh the case studies i think we just did them just to get out there and then try and like create conversion from people that might Want more in-depth content, not so you know, not like, hey, we build websites type yeah. of thing. No, I, I agree. If you can figure out how to make an app to where you get more time back
0: in your day, I think uh, you'd have a money maker. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, we're gonna need like
0: a flux capacitor or something for that. <laughs> I love that. So for businesses that are that are going through the redesign process, I mean, what are the? Is we kind of wrap this up. What is the biggest piece of advice you'd have to someone that is thinking about taking that 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 leap on? Hey, we've invested a lot, but we want to redesign it. We want to be big. We want to be better. What are some pieces of advice that you'd
1: have for them? Uh, The redesign? I mean, a couple things. Obviously, look at your users, like who's using the website. Use that data to then look at your content, right? How does your content read? Like, what what does it say? That's going to be good for your on-page SEO. And then um, just like your users in general with the design. Like, what is your design and how does it flow? And... Uh, Ultimately, the goal is to grow and create more conversion, right? And the biggest thing with UI UX is like user interface design, which is what UI is for everyone listening, um, creates the UX, which is your user experience, right? And then based off your user experience, that's what's going to help convert.
0: Gotcha. That's actually eye opening uh, for me. I always, I always get the two like interchange. I don't really know the difference between the two,
1: but I think how you just put it, that's a great way to uh, differentiate the two. Yeah, design. Um, I, I like to think user experience is like design with engineering applied.
0: I like it. Awesome. Well, Jason, really appreciate it, and look forward to continuing to watch your uh, your growth. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you.